Welcome to the Sunday Messages podcast from New Hope Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Our mission is to glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ, by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. And wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we pray today's message brings you hope and help along the way. I'm, I am glad all of you are here this morning, especially this morning. This is, this is an important day for me. I call this the, uh, the pastor's pick. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we talk in series, a little bit loud, guys. We talk in series, and, uh, and we just finished up an awesome series. And beginning next week, we're going to start another new series, kind of a, a mini-series. Yeah, yeah, just like on television, we're having a mini-series beginning next week. But in between, I get to do what I call, uh, you car show guys would appreciate this, I call it the, the pastor's pick. Speaking of car shows, Jeff and, and his wife, we're glad y'all are visiting from way up north. Uh, don't forget you're coming back next year for the next car show, uh, wherever you are, I see you, but you're coming. Oh, there you are, Jeff. Don't, you're, the, the flights are already booked. You're coming. So the car show's coming up. Richard's back in action. I talked to Richard this morning, back 100%. Brother, God bless you. Glad you're back. Car show's coming. Start getting ready, brother. All right, back to pastor's pick. Pastor's pick in the car show means I get to walk around, see all these beautiful cars. I ain't got no idea about cars. I just know which one I like, and so that's the one I pick, and that's called the pastor's pick. That's the message this morning. A lot of times we talk about, uh, uh, in church, we talk about God's word. Uh, it's about pouring into you, training you, preparing you. That is my role as your pastor, to equip the saints for the ministry that takes place in this building and outside of this building. But there's a message, there's a theme, there's a story that I feel is incredibly important for where we are as a church and where you and I are as Christians, brothers and sisters. If we get this right... So many, maybe all other aspects of the, the Christian life for us personally, even for us as a church body, will fall into place. This is that important. So, so stick with me as we talk about it. Let me, let me start with, with an idea we've talked about before, the whole idea about who and what we talk about in our world. We've, we've talked about the common vocabulary. The average American has a vocabulary of about 10,000 words. Those are the words that he or she can use in normal conversation. Now, if you're highly educated, you've been around, for a while, you may have about double that, 20, maybe even 25,000 words in your vocabulary. If you're a woman, you use at least three-fourths of those before the hour. No, I'm kidding. So, so <laughs> if, you're, if you're incredibly intelligent, very well-read, you may have up to 40,000 words in your vocabulary. Imagine that. Imagine using all of those in one day. I, I can't imagine that. But, but here's the deal. Whether you have a, a small, a, a medium, or even a very large vocabulary, we all share the same most popular word. What word do you think that is? I or me. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. I don't care whether you have a smaller, a medium, or even a very large vocabulary. We all share the same most popular word. is I or me. Now, what does that mean? It's all about me. <laughs> we think about, we talk about, we plan, we strategize, we, we do things that please me, what I want, what I don't want, what I need, what I desire, what, what makes me happy. This is how we think. This is a huge part of our culture, especially here in America. It even uh, works itself out in how we spend our time how we even spend our money, the places we go. We actually go to places that will help us work on me to make me a better me. I need my hair done. I'll go to a place that will make my hair 
bet, well, uh, maybe even give me some hair, but give me hair. We, we go to a place to make our nails pretty. They make my nails, me, my nails pretty. We go, we go to a gym. We go to a building to make my body better. We go to a doctor because something's wrong. He or she is going to make my body better. We're used to going to places to make me the best version of me I can be. So, it's no wonder, it's no surprise that that kind of mentality has crept into the church. We begin thinking that church is a place, this building is a place we go to to make me the best version of me I can be, to pour into me, to encourage me, to strengthen me, to train me, to, to, to free me up from things that I don't want to be tied down to anymore. Now, and in fact, a big part of the Christian life, specifically the part where we come together in a church building to celebrate worship or or Bible study, or even fellowship, a big part is tied up in that. That is my role as your pastor, to pour into you, to train you, to enable you, to, to, to equip you, the saints, to go and do the ministry. But there's a huge part that doesn't have to do with you. We don't just come to this place, to this building, to work on us. We come to this place to look beyond ourselves. Our vision, we've been talking about it for months and months and months. We are becoming fully devoted followers of Christ by belonging together, by believing in Christ alone, and by blessing our world. Folks, what does that mean? What would that look like in day-to-day life? Yes, we are becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. Now what? How does that work itself out? How do we live that out? What if, what if it's not all about me? What if God brings us together because he has a plan for our neighbor, for our colleague, for our friends at school, our friends in the neighborhood? What if that's why God brings us together? There's a fantastic passage I want to read with us together this morning that, that demonstrates us. We're going to walk through a series of steps of how you and I today, 2,000 years after this true story, it's not just some parable. This is a true story that really happened, how that can be lived out today in our church, in your life. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Acts, chapter 3. If you have your phone, you want to aim it at, in front of the little screen. You can, with your camera, you can open up the Bible app that way, or you just find the Bible app, hit the word events, and choose our church. You'll find the passage. We're in Acts chapter 3, verse number 1. You may wonder why I don't pick up my Bible to read from. I always read from a piece of paper. It's because I'm getting old, and I can make the letters bigger on paper. And I'm too cheap to buy a new Bible. <laughs> Acts chapter 3, we're going to start, start in verse number 1. One day, one day, remember those two words, key to this whole message. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every single day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. No surprise. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his full attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. Wait, this is, this is the best part. Let me start back. Verse 6. Then Peter said, one of the greatest lines in the entire Bible. Ready? Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, that is what I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. 
Taking him by the hand, the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Incredible story. You, you probably even have heard this story. Let's dig into this one story and understand what it would look like if you and I began living this kind of discipleship, fully devoted follower of Christ like these guys, Peter and John, what that would look like in our world, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our church itself. There's a number of steps. The first step is very simply this. Number one, we need to, we need to maintain that sense of urgency. Look again to those words I told you to look at. One day. Now, why, why is this one day a special day? Is there anything at all up to this point that would point to this one day as being special? Biblically speaking, no. In fact, if it were a special day, according to the Bible, it would have had other names attached to it, like on the Sabbath day, or on the first day of the week, or at the Passover. Those are ways the Bible will tell you when it's a special kind of a day, an extraordinary kind of day. This wasn't one of those days. It was just a one day. It was just another day. Another day, another dollar. Another day, you come home from work, honey, how was your day? Well, it was another day. And another day turns into another week. Another week turns into another year. Another year turns into a couple decades. And you wonder, wow, how did I get to Fort Myers? To Cape Coral? No, okay. <laughs> we, we, God is calling us to look beyond that one day, that another day mentality, and turn this one day, this ordinary day, into a special day, an extraordinary day. What would that look like for these guys? They understood that it was normal for them to go up to the temple to pray. One day, Peter and John were going up to, that's normal. They had done that a dozen times, dozens of times, hundreds of times in their life. That is not unusual. They were accustomed to going up to the temple to pray. Wonder how many, wonder how many things you and I do each week that we've done dozens, even hundreds of times. We don't even have to think about when we went up to Publix. <laughs> we, we went up to the beach. Uh, we went up to the movie theater. Oh, and we went up to church. How many things have we done? Hundreds and hundreds. We don't even think about it. It's just another day, an ordinary day. Nothing is special about that day until... There is. What did these guys do differently? They had a, a, a change of the chip in their brain, a change of the chip in their heart. They could have, they should have. It was their plan to go up simply and go to the temple and pray. That was their goal. However, I believe something changed before they got there, before they even left their house. In prayer, they prayed and they asked God, God, make this day an extraordinary day. I will live this day with purpose. I will live this day missionally. Remember we talked about that word missional. What that means is to use every opportunity as if it was an opportunity to share your faith or draw a lost world back to God, their creator. And so what if these guys woke up and prayed, God, God, you know my plan. My plan is to go up to the temple like I've done a hundred other times. Make this day not just a normal day, make it an extraordinary day. And so they were open. They were looking. We talked about this before. We don't, as, as a missional believer, we don't just go to Publix to buy groceries. We go to Publix to talk to, to Bob. He always works on cash register number two. We started kind of chatting and getting to know each other. Yeah, okay, while I'm at Publix, I'll pick up bread and, and cheese and, and peanut butter, whatever is on my list, but that's not why I go to Publix. I go to Publix to have one more conversation with Bob, and while I'm there, I'll get the other stuff I need, but that's my purpose. That's how these guys woke up, and that's what made this ordinary day an extraordinary day. This guy approaches him, gives him 
them an opportunity. They stopped everything. Now, normally, normally, we Americans, we wouldn't stop because we got a plan. We got a, a goal. We got stuff we got to check off our list. This is what makes an ordinary day an extraordinary day when you don't follow your list and you follow the Holy Spirit. This guy, he, he may have called out other days to them. He may have spoken to them on other days, but those weren't these extraordinary days. Those were ordinary days. And on this day, they said, yes, we will stop. We will see. We will listen. We will engage. And we will serve this guy. That's what turns an ordinary day, a one day, into an extraordinary day. Secondly, secondly, we need to belong together. Now, let me explain what I'm talking about. That We, as believers, in the stepping of becoming a fully devoted follower of Christ, we need to belong together. In fact, that's even part of our mission statement, belong together. Look at the two words. One day, Peter and John. What's unusual about Peter and John? At least being together mentioned. We hear oftentimes Jesus mentioned, even Jesus and his disciples mentioned. Sometimes we even hear Jesus and those three special disciples. Remember where they were there? Peter and James and John. But here we hear just Peter and John. That's unusual. We don't hear that very often in the New Testament, that these two guys, polar opposites, mentioned together. What's going on here? Peter, you may remember, he was the, 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 the outward speaking, the, 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 the fireball of the disciples. He was probably the oldest of all the disciples. He was bullheaded. He suffered from hoof and mouth disease. He spoke and then he thought about it later. He was constantly getting in trouble, but he was also constantly getting it right because he just spoke from his heart. He was out there. He was 100 miles an hour all the time. John, on the other hand, he was arguably the youngest of all the disciples. Still very much a teenager at this stage. Very humble. In fact, when he wrote his gospel, the gospel of John, he wouldn't even mention his own name. He, he called himself the beloved disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wouldn't even say his name. He didn't want his name to be in writing because he was, he was so humble about it. He was young. He was quiet. He outlived all the other disciples, I think, because he just laid low, keep his head to the ground, and, and continued to serve God. Not, not Peter. He was a fireball to the end. He said, and when you crucify me, crucify me upside down. And so they did. <laughs> How could God use two guys so, so different from each other on the same task? It wouldn't have made sense to have a whole group of Johns and then a whole group of Peters. And now you go that way and you go that way. It's just going to explode and crash. Here's the problem. Too many of us think that in our churches, our goal is to make us all alike. Make us all look alike and act alike and dress alike and, and talk alike and, and be alike and all, all vote for the same people and think the same thoughts and watch the same uh, news programs and, and, and be exactly like each other. That is not at all what God is doing, and that's certainly not what God is doing here in this story. Two polar opposites God brought together. Can you imagine the, 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 the power that was in their diversity and their difference, the synergy that took place in, in the old brash Peter and the young humble, sweethearted John, what God was able to do through these two guys together. That's what God does when we come together. I'll tell you what, folks, those doors would not hold the crowds out who wanted to come be a part of this Christian community if they knew this was a place that, that celebrated, welcomed, and even energized the diversity that we would have in this place. Belonging together also meant this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple. This is an important phrase. It sounds ordinary. It sounds normal. It sounds like something any of us would do. And then they went up to church. Unless you remembered, 
In fact, I'm just going to rename the word temple into church, unless we remembered what kind of church this was. Do we remember what happened at that church just even a few days before? At that church, these two guys were kicked out. At that church, just a few days before, their leader, their friend, their brother, he was not only pushed out and beaten, they actually killed him. You want to talk about caustic, toxic, dysfunctional, unhealthy church culture? That's about as unhealthy as it gets. And here's these two jokers, just a few days later, going right back to the same church. Did they not learn something the first time? Clearly, there's something wrong with that church. So I need to pull away from that church, and I need to go find me a new church. But not Peter and John. They went back to that church. I wonder what God is telling us. Too often, we, we want to cancel things that don't go our way. We want to cut out things that don't act or think or respond like we want them to think. We want to find a new church as soon as there's problems at the old church. You've, you've heard me tell the story about the, the guy who was discovered on the deserted island after five years. They're all by himself. The, the rescue ship pulls up and finds a guy waving on the beach. They say, oh, I, I thought you were here alone. He said, yeah, I've been all alone for five years. They say, what's up with the three huts? I thought you were here by yourself. He said, I was. Well, the first hut, that's where I lived. That was my home. They said, in the second hut, well, that was my church. That's where I worshiped God all of these years, all by myself. They said, what about the third hut? Oh, that was the church I used to go to. <laughs> Even on a deserted island, right? <laughs> Folks, we, we need to come to a point where we are committed to each other, where we're committed to the family of God, we're committed to the work of God where God has planted us. We are, so, we are so spiritually and even emotionally sensitive that the slightest touch of anything that doesn't go our way or, or please our, our troubled sensitivities that we say, I cut that out and I go find something new until we cut out as many as we can and suddenly there's no place. There's no perfect church. I don't care if you head down south or north. I don't even care if you head all the way east to the other coast. There are no perfect churches. There are no purely healthy churches. The, church, the problem with the church today is it's full of folks just like you. God is calling us to be together. 30% of all the folks that left during this COVID craziness will never come back. They've decided that, that life is fine without God and without their Christian community. Don't be another statistic. Next, the next step in our walking to becoming fully devoted followers of Christ, we need to learn to go deeper. Let me read verse 2. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. So what's going on here? Peter and John, they were going to the temple. This guy, he's also going to the temple. Same story. Well, not exactly. These two guys were going to the temple as they did quite often. This guy was going to the temple as he did every day for 40 years. The difference is these guys were going on their own two legs. <laughs> and this guy was being carried as he was every time. He had never had the experience of standing up and walking up to the temple. And here's the deal. At one point, either he or someone else in his life had convinced him that all he needed to do, the only place he really needed to get to was right to the gate. No reason to go in there, just stop right here at the gate, because at the gate, you might get 
just enough to carry you through today, just enough food for today, just enough money to buy food for today, maybe tomorrow. This is as far as you need to get. Stop here. Don't go any deeper. How many of us, how many of us have stopped at the gates of, now I'm not just talking about church building, but, but, but with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We have learned how to get just enough Jesus so it, it calms our souls, it satisfies that need to, to be around other nice, friendly Christian folk, but not going too deep that I really am all in with Jesus. And that was this guy's fault. He was getting just enough outside to satisfy him for one more day. And 10 years, it turned into 20, 20, it turned into 40. And if, if, he, if he had not met Peter and John on this day, those 40 years would have turned into 80, and he would have all spent his entire life on the perimeter, at the gate of the experience with God. God is calling us to go deep. We must not remain satisfied at the gate. We have to go deeper. As we said last week, too many of us are saying satisfied shopping, uh, spiritually shopping off that bottom shelf at the Chuck E. Cheese of Heaven's Gate. God is calling us to go in and, and take the stuff off the top shelf. That kind of spirituality is what God is calling us to do. The real action, the main course is inside. It's deeper in a relationship to God, but also in a relationship to your church family. What happens inside? Number one. Number one, uh, you, you may already be attending a Sunday school class. If, whether you are now or you're thinking about it, I highly encourage you to begin doing that in the month of August. We're, we're revamping. We're restarting all of our classes. We're, we're even rebranding to, to better match our, our church's vision. We're going to call Sunday school or whether it's Bible study because we have groups on Sunday morning, on Sunday afternoon, on Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday night. There's groups all week going on studying God's word. We're going to revamp those and call those Belonging groups, B groups. We're belonging together. In those groups, of course, we study God's word. Of course, we pray. Of course, we grow together as a family. But that's where we get to practice all of these 57 one another's of God's word. Love one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. There's 57 of them in the Bible. You get to practice that in your group of eight or, or 10 folks on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday afternoon, or a Thursday morning, and that's, that's how you go deeper. Join one of those groups. Pray hard now and let God show you which one that would be. Secondly, as we go deeper, we begin serving. This week I was chatting with a with a couple that's still fairly new to our church. Uh, they're super active. They're here oftentimes, almost every time the doors are open. Uh, love being together with the body of Christ. Finally, they're ready to begin serving, and they said, Pastor, Tell us, how can we serve? Where can we serve? So I, I called them on the telephone. I was sharing an idea that I had. Wasn't sure if it was something they were interested in or not, but I was just kind of sharing the idea. Now, we were on the telephone, but I tell you what, I felt the glow through the telephone. I won't say telephone lines, but we don't have telephone lines anymore. I felt the glow from them, the excitement from this couple because they had the opportunity to serve God and serve this church. That's, what, that's how you grow deeper and get deeper into fellowship with God and with his family. And then thirdly, the whole idea of giving. This guy was on the outskirts. The closest he'd ever come were the gates. He'd never gone any deeper. At this point where he remained, the only thing he could do was take at the outskirts, on the outside, without going in, the only thing he was capable or able to do, the only opportunity he had at that position in his relationship to God and the church was to be a taker. Uh, money, uh, maybe food, maybe occasionally a kind word from something walking, but really only that's all he was able to do. You're not able to, to, to move on to the giving stage until you go deeper. 
Yes, I'm talking also about giving financially. Sure, that's a part of it. But even giving of your time, giving of your talents, giving of your energy, being a part of what God is doing, that happens inside. Not, I'm not saying inside a building, of course. I'm saying inside the family of God. Much of that activity happens to take place inside a building, but that's obviously not the point. Uh, New Hope uh, Online Family, we're not pushing you to, to come here to be a part of the real church. You're a part of our church, but by, by moving forward where you can give, that's how you go deeper. Next, the next step, we begin walking the talk. Look at verses 3, 4, and 5. This is important. When this guy saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Well, that's no surprise. That's kind of, that's kind of his job, his thing He's kind of gotten a knack. I mean, imagine doing something for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. He, he can spot a mark. <laughs> he can see a, spot a sucker, <laughs> someone who's probably more likely to give than somebody else. And so he sees Peter and John. They look friendly enough. They look uh, well-off enough, able enough to help him. So he, he spots them right off the bat. He looks at them. He asks them for money. Verse 4, Peter looked straight at him. Now, Peter made a huge mistake. Everyone knows when someone's begging for money, whether they're on the side of the street, you pull up to a stoplight, or they're on the corner and you're walking across the street, or maybe you're in some big city somewhere and they're sitting down right in front of a store and they got their little sign there. Everyone knows the unwritten rule is don't make eye contact, right? Because if you make eye contact, well, then you pretty much have to give something. And you pull up to a stoplight and just look at around. Suddenly, oh, now he's looking or she's looking for eye contact. As soon as you make eye contact, then you know, okay. And you got to grab into your wallet and pull it. Oh, I don't got a one. I only got a 10. Oh, well, this will cover me for the next month. Or is that just me? Well, whatever. So, so this is what happens. He broke that unwritten rule. He made eye contact. You're not supposed to make eye contact, but he makes eye contact. In fact, the Bible says he didn't just look back at him. It's actually funny. It's three different words in this passage for look. The first look is the first guy. He's just, he glances at these guys. He reads them quickly. They look like a couple marks. I'm going to ask him for money. That's a passing glance, thinking he understands them. The second, this is Peter's looking. It says he stared intently at this guy. He didn't, just, he didn't just look back and break the unwritten rule of folks asking for money. He stared at him. And then here's a big part. He says to them, then Peter said, look at us. This is a whole other word. And what this word means is he's saying, I want you to look in us, not just at us. I want you to look in us. I want you to study us. I want you to look into us. We are being transparent. We are opening our heart. Folks, this is the most difficult, the scariest step in the entire process. Because if discipleship and evangelism and telling others about Jesus is all about the pastor preaching a passionate plea for evangelism and he guilts you all into once a year getting a bunch of tracks, going down to Fort Myers and handing them out for two or three hours in the hot sun and then you make a hasty retreat back home swearing you'll never do that again until the next year when the pastor makes another guilt trip sermon. Is that, is that evangelism? Is that what God's calling us to do? No. But I tell you what. As hard as that is, that's less scary than what these guys are doing. They're opening their hearts and say, look at what's inside me. Look at who I am, and I'm not perfect, and I've got this problem, and I've got that problem, and I'm, I'm coming up short here, and yet look at me and walk with me to Jesus. That is scary to let anyone, especially a not-yet-believer, look into your heart, and that's what these guys do. Uh, 
George Barner writes a lot about folks that are still outside of the church and what it would take for us to reach folks that are not yet believers in Christ. This is what he says about folks outside of the church. He calls them the unchurched or the churchless. He says, the unchurched show little interest in attending a church known for the quality of its worship or even the quality of its sermons. Millions of church-less adults are very sensitive to the balance between teaching and street-level ministry. They fear getting connected to a congregation that is all talk and no action. Folks, our people want, our neighbors want, our friends want, our colleagues want to see your heart. And if you are closed up and you drop a track on the table with your tip, that's not enough. We have to open our hearts, expose our hearts, be transparent in order for folks to come to know Jesus. Next step, a couple more. There's power. Look at verse number six. Then Peter said, one of the greatest lines in the whole Bible. Ready? I'll say it again. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Now that is a great line. That is a powerful line. But I tell you what, for some of us, that's also also a scary line. Maybe not quite as scary as the last one, but this is also scary, especially you church treasurers and assistant treasurers, to think that we would be in a position where we would say those words, silver or gold, have I not? There was a time, for instance, back 2,000 years ago, when the church could have honestly said that, silver and gold, have I not? I don't know if we still live in that world, church. And I'm not just talking about this church. You all have been gracious. God has blessed you tremendously these last years. You have in turn blessed your church tremendously in those years. If you would look on our, on our board every week, uh, Lyman and the finance team are, are careful to present very transparently all of the numbers of coming ins and going out of our church. You can watch it yourself every single week. You will notice that it is in the black for this year, thousands of dollars ahead of budget. You have blessed this church, but not just this church. I'm talking about churches in general. We don't need to say anymore, silver and gold have I not. You think that's scary. How about the other kind of bankruptcy? That We're not bankrupt financially. Too many of our churches, and on occasion, this church itself is bankrupt spiritually. That's way scarier than saying, I don't have enough money to help you out of your problems. I don't have enough silver to help you out of your homelessness, your poverty, your hunger. But to be able to have to say, I don't have enough spiritual resources, I don't have the power in the name of Jesus Christ to help you get up and walk, that is the kind of spiritual bankruptcy that should scare you to death. Folks, God is calling us to a depth. This is a spiritual battle. This is not a financial battle. We are not asking you for more money to buy more personnel and pastors and programs and, 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 and build out the building better. That's not what's going to reach your friends and your neighbors and your colleagues. What will reach them is a power in the name of Jesus Christ. That kind of bankruptcy is not allowed. And then finally, finally we get to the level of discipleship, what it looks like when one of these new folks comes to faith and how we get to walk alongside them in this new life with Jesus. Look at verse 7. Now Peter, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple, walking and jumping and praising God. 
So this is in these two little verses, it gives us four quick steps on what it would look like as, you, as you've been sharing, as you've been opening your heart, as you've been proclaiming the power of Jesus' name over your friends and your neighbors and your colleagues. When, when one of them does accept Christ, these are the steps you take. With them. The Bible says that Peter, he reached down, he grabbed his hand. Now that word grab is a super powerful word. It's not just like he daintily held out his hand for the man. Here, let me give you a hand. It also doesn't say he took his hand. This word means he seized his hand. In fact, it's the same word that you would take if a prisoner were to escape from your jail. If you went running after that prisoner and you jumped at, on him or her from behind and wrestled them to the ground. That is a word that God chose to put here of all words. Not help him up, give him a hand, give him a hand out, but grab him with all of your might. This is what God is calling us to do. Did you know that here at this church, New Hope Church, right here, this one, not like churches in general, but right here, this one, every single week there are people here for the, for the very first time. I can't explain it. It's not me. It's not you. It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit. But every single week, someone is here for the first time. Many of them give us their name and their address, and we, we do our very best to go visit them during the week and invite them back. Some of them do come back. Some of them don't. I am convinced, I am convinced that if more of us would look for these new folks and, and not just depend on the pastor and his team of guest service uh, welcomers and greeters, but you would go to a new person and you would literally seize them by the hand, grab them by the hand and walk along and say, listen, I am so glad you're here. Would you join me next week? Hey, can we get a coffee this week? How can I pray for you this week? We are so glad you're here. If more of us would do that, I believe even more folks would stay. God is calling us to take more by the hand. Secondly, and then he went up with him to the temple. You remember these cards that we have, these join me, I'm saving a seat for you cards. We've been handing them out by the thousands these last few weeks. That is so important that people get into that habit of when they accept Christ, when they come to know Jesus, when they become part of a family, that that becomes part of their routine, part of their life. Is, and, and I go to church, whether you're joining us online, you're coming to an actual place, whether you're coming on Saturday night or on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night or Thursday morning, that this is a part of your life. Thirdly, you hear the Bible says, not once but twice, talks about him walking and jumping. How unusual. Of all the things this guy could have done, he walks and he jumps, and the Bible talks about it two different times. Must be important. Why? These are things he'd never done before. I mean, think about it. 40 years old, in his entire life, he had never walked or jumped. Not even once. And now God's power, the power of the name of Jesus Christ, enters his life, and suddenly he's able to do these two brand new things that he's never done before. And what does he continue doing? He keeps doing them. This is exactly what happens to new believers. They begin doing things that they've never done in their life before. They, they begin stop saying certain things and start saying other things, stop doing certain things and begin doing other things. Uh, taking part in worship and, and actually occasionally even raising up their hand when they're worshiping or, or saying amen when they hear something. Things they would have never said a year before. Brand new things. Even gifts start to well up in their heart, whether they're singing or, or working with our production team or in the kitchen. Whatever gift they have, even as teaching, they begin using, practicing, experiencing these new gifts that God gives them. And then finally, the idea of he was praising God. Remember what praising means? Praising means literally to ascribe worth to 
or to point to someone else. Now, obviously, if you're praising God, you're ascribing worth to God, or you're pointing to God. You remember how we started this whole talk this morning? The number one word that we speak in our American culture, whether you have a little education or a lot of education, we're all the same. It's all about me. We're pointing at ourselves. We're ascribing worth to ourselves. We're caring about and desiring about and wanting about what is important to me. And suddenly at the end of this, this guy says, I'm going to quit pointing to me and ascribing worth to myself. I'm going to begin pointing to God and praising God. It has come full circle in this guy's life. This is what God does. This doesn't happen because of programs or pastors or more money poured into a church. This happens because people like you become a Peter or a John opening your hearts and sharing openly the power of Jesus Christ with your friends and your neighbors and your family members and your colleagues. That's when we see this kind of changed life. Folks, are you with me? We are becoming fully devoted followers of Christ by belonging together, believing in Christ alone, and blessing our world. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of new beginnings. We have been doing this church thing for a long time, this uh, Christianity thing, some of us, for decades. We, we got it down. We pretty much know how it works. And then, <laughs> and then Lord, you, you open a passage that reminds us of what your true intent was for our Christian lives what it truly means to be a a disciple of Jesus Christ, a fully devoted follower of Christ, a missional believer. And God, that's not comfortable. It's different. It's new. So God, I pray that you would give us grace and strength to welcome these words that you give us opportunity to live out these words, that you would cause us, this church, New Hope Church, right here in Cape Coral, to be a missional church, purposefully living and ministering in our neighborhoods and in our world. Thank you, Jesus, for your word that is always true and powerful. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. You can find more free resources, learn about our church, and partner with us financially when you visit us online at newhopecapecoral.com. Also, if you have a question or a story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line on the contact page, once again, at newhopecapecoral.com. Finally, if this message was a blessing to you, would you take a moment to share that blessing with others? You can do that by subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and by leaving a review to share your story with others. Thanks again for tuning in and for helping us share the hope of Jesus with the world he loves. We'll see you next time.